everybody, and welcome to Unapologetic Live. I'm your host, Amala Epinobi, and I'm glad to have you here. Taylor is also in the building. Hello, we're making it without the technical difficulties. Nobody <laughs> noticed that blank intro. It's fine. That is all right. We're getting plugged in, getting everything ready. Today, we're going to be reacting to Jubilee's newest Middle Ground video. They do a series where they bring together people from differing perspectives and set them down to debate different social issues. This one in particular is conservative teens versus liberal parents that we're going to be taking a look at. I am not a teen any longer, but I am a conservative young person with a liberal parent. So is this going to trigger some PTSD. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it might be smooth sailing. I'm curious to see. I always love when people have good uh, conversations, even though they disagree with each other. So we'll see how this pans out and we'll give you our own commentary as this goes through. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of corrections to make in some of the points that are made and some of the argumentation that goes back and forth. So let's start this Jubilee Middle Ground, conservative teens versus liberal parents. Step forward if you agree with the prompt. Oh, let me slow this down for you guys a little bit. I always listen to everything in two speed. Okay. Government has no right to tell people what to do with their body. Okay, let's start there. The government has no right to tell people what to do with their body. Now, you guys put in the chat down below, are you stepping forward? You step forward if you agree with the prompt. The government has no right to tell people what to do with their body. This one's a funny little tricky, tricky trick trick. <laughs> because if you say the government has no right to tell people what to do with their body, which is something a typical libertarian or conservative might say, and they'll walk forth, uh, the liberals are going to say, well, what about abortion? You're telling women what to do with their bodies. Of course, the argument that you would make there is it's there's two separate bodies involved in an abortion. And I'm sure this debate is going to pop up in this uh, conversation that ensues here. Let's see who walks forward. Vaccines. That's. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I don't think the government has the right to tell you what you want I'm to do. Your... Sorry. OK. I stood here because of vaccines, but I know a lot of you guys probably look at me like, oh, what about abortion? Now, the thing is, when it comes to abortion, two bodies are involved. It's the woman and it's the fetus. The fetus, you know, has a heartbeat, it has DNA. It should have rights. When? Life begins at conception. That's not when the heart's there. Though. Heartbeat starts at four weeks. It's not just a clump of cells, it is life. At 21 weeks, it can live outside of the womb. Abortion ends with murder and death. Over 90% of abortions happen within the first 10 weeks. And she's absolutely right about this coming in very, very strong on this subject matter already. I already sense a little bit of heat in her temperament, her body language, the way that she's talking, whereas you're not getting that from the teens this far. Uh, but yes, you have to define. And I think what should happen before anybody has a discussion about where they stand on abortion, what is life for you? What is the line for you? When do you think something becomes a life? And then we can have the discussion because if you can't agree on that, you're never going to agree on the subject matter itself. You'll simply be stating your point and then going back and forth on it. Now, if we agree that life starts at conception or you have a differing opinion on that, okay, you're just arguing as to when it's okay to take that life. And this is what upsets me about the whole argument around being pro-life or being pro-choice. Uh, we get into these debates and we're all just debating about when life starts. It gets nowhere. So if you can't agree on that, you're probably not going to agree on how you view the issue. Uh, and regardless, you know, a life would have been created had it not been stopped with this procedure. I think we can all agree on that. That's still I think that's not acceptable. But they still have the potential of having life, though. The mortality rate of a fetus getting aborted is 100 percent. 
it's going to die when it's aborted. And you're very but, lucky you'll never have to experience what it's like to have to make that choice. Mm. But what if, I, what, if I, what if I become a father and, you know, the woman who I got pregnant you, wants to have an abortion? I, it's going to affect me. You would have a discussion with your partner then. Well, we don't live in a society where that's the case, where you do get to have that discussion currently, although I think things may change as we see this next uh, the Supreme Court opinion go out, if it does officially go out, men don't really have a say in that. And a woman can engage in the takes two to tango activity that creates a baby and then go out and make a decision all on her own without consulting the man, without letting him know. And he has no rights in the situation whatsoever. So she can say you guys can have a conversation. But really, how much of an opinion do you have as a man and how much does what you say and what you want to see happen sway what happens in, in the decision making in this case? Not really much at all. It's a, it's a good thing to talk about and to bring up. And then decide what you're going to do of, and be glad that you have a choice of to, course, to even discuss with that partner. Unfortunately, human nature, if you take away the option or the right to do that, then they'll find it another way. I do agree with what Scott just said there. If you do take away the option or you make something like that illegal, people, I, I believe a smaller group than who partake in abortions today, will find a way to make that happen when they've been set in the position of having a pregnancy that they did not want. Will it happen to the same extent that abortions happen now legally in the United States? Probably not, but it is something to uh, take into consideration when we're talking about these things. And it will be unsafe. And uh, so would you support the mom? Would you support the mom in that scenario? If the mom had an abortion or the no, mom no, went... No, 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 if she gave birth. Oh, of course. I would support her. I'd say what you do is a good thing. And no, 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 no. Support her financially for the rest of her life or for the rest of the baby's life. Are you talking about like... What, what do you mean me support her? Like if as somebody, a citizen or... If somebody a, has a baby... There, we do have child support and it comes from taxpayer money. There's foster care, there's adoption, there's mothers waiting. Those systems are very broken and people all the time are trying to stop funding for programs like that. Okay, pause. So far, the discussion has been really fruitful, which I like to see, and I love that we're going back and forth and talking about these things, even though we disagree, and I hope you guys do that more in your uh, daily lives. Uh, let's see. There was a lot of different points made. He asked him, would you support uh, the mother financially? I didn't know whether or not he was saying the mother that you created a baby with or just a woman in general who lives in America who ends up having a pregnancy that she did not want and taking it to term and having the baby. Uh, and he mentioned that there is child support. There is the foster care system. There is the adoption system. And the girl made a good point that there are thousands upon thousands of thousands of mothers and fathers waiting to adopt children here in the United States, which is very true. And she retorted back, this liberal mother over here, that the system is broken. I would completely agree with you. There's a lot of problems with our social systems, with the foster care system, with the adoption system. But because the system isn't working perfectly, is that a reason to then justify being pro-choice and allowing people to go and get abortions because of the inconvenience of pregnancy. That's the question that you should ask yourself. And I'm trying to think of a good analogy of just saying, well, the system is broken, so we're going to allow this to happen. Uh, it doesn't, it's not a sensical argument to say, well, just because this system is not working perfectly, we should allow mothers to get abortions on, on a whim. And when I think of a perfect analogy for that, I will insert that into today's episode. Now, I want to ask you guys, do you, do you support vaccine mandates? Yes. So, so, I mean, you, you step forward and said the government shouldn't tell you what to do with your body, though. Why, right. why would you support? My issue is, is that I believe that the government should not be able to tell me what to do with my body, but I have to accept the consequences for the choices that I make with my body. So you don't support vaccine mandates. She said, yes, I support vaccine mandates, but she just said, I don't 
support the government telling you what to do with your body. She only wants the consequences, which is things like private businesses saying that you can't shop here or you can't eat here. That's very different than mandating through a government uh, a medical treatment to the citizens. So she does not support vaccine mandates. The vaccines, for instance, I absolutely felt that everyone should get vaccinated. Why? Because this was a pandemic. But if you don't want to, I don't think the government should have to tell you that you have to. But you then have to suffer the consequences of your choices, I'm which means you cannot patronize certain places. You can't put other people at risk. I know, I know you're saying they're doing it to protect us, but the, the coronavirus has, a, I think, a survivor of almost 98%, 99%, and we're mandating these vaccines. Why are we not mandating the flu? What's frightening to me is that you're equating some minor inconveniences in your privileged life to why would you uh, assume my life is privileged? But why would you assume um, my life is privileged, though? You don't know my life. Why would, I, I mean, I don't say that about you. Why would you assume my life is privileged? I'm, I'm privileged. Okay, that's fine. But why, why would you assume my life is privileged? For one, you're a man. You know, most people commit suicide are men. Most people who work in dangerous workplaces are men. Most people who fight in war are men. My dude loves Jordan Peterson, I can tell. Um, a lot just went down here. Uh, she stipulated that getting a vaccine that is mandated by the government is simply a minor inconvenience. Uh, the people with myocarditis might disagree, um, but I, I don't think any mandated medical treatment from your government is a minor inconvenience, and it should be something that we approach with a very high amount of caution when we're making these decisions and deciding what our government can do. Should he have gotten as heated about this whole privilege thing? Probably not, but he does pose a great question. Who are you to tell me that I am privileged? I'm going to assume uh, for the sake of this filming that these guys have just met this very day, except I believe one of the kids is actually, his father is on the other side of this debate. So they, they've they known each other before. But I'm going to assume these two, this man and this woman have just met today. Who is she to tell him that he's led a privileged life? She has no idea the life that he's led. And now we get to look at people and say, well, because you're male or because you're white or because you, you've approached me and you look like you have money, you have led a privileged life. And all of those things can be false. You have no idea what somebody has gone through in their life, and you cannot make this prejudgment just by simply looking at them and saying that. And she, of course, backs it up by saying, well, you're a man. It means nothing. Being a man does not make you automatically privileged in this life. And who set that system up? Men. Biology set the system up of really men going to war, men being providers, and all the other things that come along with it. It's not like men went, you know, I really just want to be the one to constantly sacrifice myself and constantly be the protector. No, they were born with this sort of innate biological tendency to not only do those things, but have a proclivity to do them better than women do. And this has been seen not only in the United States, where apparently we think this is the first time that patriarchy has ever been thought of. Uh, no, it's happened throughout all of, all of society, there's been clear and distinct differences between men and women that we just naturally hone ourselves into and create systems that revolve around what is that natural reality. So that is why men work harder, more physically taxing jobs. That is why they die in war. That is why they protect and provide and have to deal with a lot of the other social ills, medical ills, and mental ills that coincide with having to take on that responsibility biology. It's not men setting up the system. I'm going to ask the disagreeers to step forward. Well, I think I give a unique perspective on this because I actually do agree with the vaccine mandate. I think COVID mm -hmm. was just a huge disaster and I think it could have 
ended a lot sooner if things were more organized. Definitely. As far as whether the government should intervene on people's bodies, I think there are a lot of instances where the government should. One, to protect the society in general, especially in cases such as a pandemic where um, the disease could literally wipe out cities. In other instances as well, such as drug use, I think the government should intervene because when you have a society that's addicted to opioids or crack, it spreads like wildfire. And I've seen it firsthand. It's very difficult to control without the help of government. Now, on the topic of abortion, that one's, you know, very complex. And in general, I always want to favor a woman's right to choose. But I think there's also a very fundamental question that both of you brought up is um, at what point is a fetus a human or a person? Let's say a, a child is eight months in the womb, and at that point, the baby has a heart, the baby has a brain, has legs, has arms. Do you think it's okay for that to be terminated? In your Nobody opinion? is doing that. And no mm. He came in with what I think was a very well-rounded approach to what is a very difficult prompt. The prompt being the government has no right to tell people what to do with their body. That's an extreme statement uh, from any angle that you're looking at it, even if you agree or you disagree. The government every day really tells us what we can and cannot do with our bodies. We have laws and laws that we cannot break or we go to jail and that is enforced on us by our local, state and federal government. So in ways, the government does have a right to tell you what to do with your body every single day. And we, we debate where that line is and we constantly are trying to draw that line and and we disagree on things. Conservative might, conservatives might be on the side of the government having less of a right to tell you and uh, liberals might be on the side of the government having more regulation of what it is that you do with your body. And I love that he came in with different examples where we all find that socially acceptable to tell people, no, you, you shouldn't do that with your body. Like in California, I bet a lot of people are begging the state government to come and take care of the people just doing drugs on the streets, because that's something we would love the government to come in and handle and say, maybe you don't do that with your body, or at least not in the space that you're doing it in. So there's constantly lines that need to be drawn. And if you don't approach these things with nuance, uh, you, you just fall into this pit where you never find an answer to anything. Now, he brings up late-term abortion, and Cindy, the liberal parent here, says, nobody's doing that. And I've made the mistake of saying a statement like that. When you say things like never or always or nobody, don't trust anybody who's saying that to you because more often than not, it's false. You can't just put a blanket of nobody or always or never on a statement that you're making because if you go and look into it, it is happening. Uh, and, and if Cindy went and did just a little bit of research, she would find that there's plenty of politicians who are advocating for late term abortion here in California. There's politicians who advocate for post birth abortion, which is infanticide. You're, you can kill a baby uh, af seven days after it's been born in California is what they're advocating for. In Washington, D.C., you just had some pro-life advocates who discovered that there were five late-term aborted babies at an abortion clinic in, in D.C. and are now fighting uh, for a lawsuit for that. So nobody is doing it is a false statement. It is happening, and you need to draw those lines. Right, and if, if, it's not, if no one's doing it, if it's not happening, then why shouldn't it be illegal? Like, why, right. if, you, if you ask Cindy, do you support late-term abortion being... Uh, made illegal, I bet you she would say, no, I don't support that. Right. Um, but at the same time, she's 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 obfuscating the, the moral question of is it wrong? Is it wrong to terminate a child um, mm -hmm. in a late term abortion? And instead of answering that question, she's just saying, oh, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, but while still supporting it being legal. Exactly.
Exactly. So just keep an eye out for some of the linguistic <laughs> tricks that people will use to to bolster the arguments that they're making. Uh, but so far, again, very happy with the discussions. I'm very much on the side of this. I don't know what his name is, but the, the last liberal parent who spoke, he seems like a pretty reasonable guy out of out of all the four of them. Nobody is having abortions with viable fetuses unless it is a medical emergency that will kill the baby and the mother. False. Again, this is false. And when you walk into your arguments with these strong, nobody has ever, it's never happened, nobody's doing it. False. <laughs> Why not just draw the line and say that it's something that's wrong? This guy. My name is Ben. ben. I'm a business consultant for a telecom company, and I'm a liberal dad. When it comes to the abortion issue, I am not exactly sure where I stand. I am not pro-choice or pro-life. My name is Dawn. I'm a regional sales manager for a dialysis company as well as a therapist, and I'm a liberal parent. As far as my views on abortion, to be honest, it just makes me very sad. Uh, I can't believe that we are moving backwards by taking people's rights away to choose what's happening to their body. Pause. Just, to, just for a note, I know she's not really making an argument because we're not in the debate portion of that, but we're not moving backwards. We're actually moving Really, if, if we mean moving backwards, we're moving back to the fundamentals of this country where the states were supposed to decide that issue in the first place and that it wasn't uh, in, in the Constitution for the Supreme Court to decide. So if you mean moving backwards by reinforcing what our country was built on and the ideas that it was founded on, then by all means, yes, we are moving backwards. But really what we're doing is we're supporting your right to representation. And now your elected representatives, rather than people who are sitting in the Supreme Court, are going to make that decision and you get to voice your opinion when it comes to abortion. If that opinion ends up coming out, we shall see. Not being an LGBTQ plus ally makes someone a bad person. Ah, well, I'll put that down in the poll for you guys. Not being an LGBTQ plus ally makes someone a bad person. Obviously, I am not going to walk forward on this. I don't agree with that statement. And a big question that everybody should be posing once they do come forward and sit down is what does it mean to be an ally? Does it mean that I am blindly affirming everything that you tell me and your version of what reality is? Or does it simply mean that I accept your decision to present yourself and to do whatever it is that you want with your body? Because if it means the latter of the two, then yes, I'm an LGBTQ plus ally. You can do whatever you want so long as you are an adult and I hope that you're making informed decisions. But once you make that decision, by all means, I have nothing to say to you about it. Uh, we can be friends. You can lead the lifestyle you want to lead because you're an adult and you've chose to make that decision. But if being an ally means I need to support children transitioning or children talking about their sexuality and having these discussions or, you know, kids going to drag queen shows like we showed on the program yesterday, then I'm not an LGBTQ plus ally. So that's what we need to decipher in, in the coming moments. <laughs> <laughs> it's strong, it's isn't a, it? It's, right, a, it's a general way to put it. I would question someone's empathy. That's it. And their awareness of the other people around them, because I guarantee you, you know someone that's Absolutely, and their environment. Right. Discussing the validity of the existence of other human beings <laughs> isn't a political issue. That's like... It's, it's there. That, there's like something wrong not. with yeah. you yes. if you, like, no, trans people don't exist. I don't think anybody's having that discussion. I think um, a lot of people acknowledge the existence of trans people. I will say there's a fringe probably group of people on the right who say 
trans people just simply don't exist. Like, it's not a real thing whatsoever. Don't want to fall into the trap of saying nobody. But uh, by and large, I think people accept that this exists. They question the timeline on it, like is childhood where this presents itself. They question the idea that it's natural and normal rather than something that speaks to uh, some sort of mental illness or mental problem as it was previously viewed before we got into this new generation of not having this be in the DS- DSM-5 and not having this be a diagnosis that a psychologist or a psychiatrist would give to somebody. So by and large, people are not saying that trans people and people who experience gender dysphoria do not exist. We're talking about the trendiness of it and how it's growing and how it's being taught to young people. Obviously they do. I would like to think that it's a safer world. <laughs> Yes. to be LGBTQ, but that yes. would be naive. Of course. People are getting murdered for being trans, uh, you know, yes. and, I, I, yes. and, and gay. It's scary. I have three kids. I have three boys. Oh. One of them is trans. I worry oh, could I that, I mean, for however progressive uh, a new generation seems, that... Um, you know, I have to think about, will there be violence done? Which, I mean, every parent worries about violence. That's part of the gig of being a parent. Yes. Um, and I've got an extra, I've got a, I've got a new layer. <laughs> My child is in a wonderfully privileged situation okay. where they have a lot of support. Okay. I'm very curious as to how old her transgender child is. I'm very, very curious. And when we look into this and i think in in the years to come we are going to have quite a big news flash when we get the data on some of the studies that are going to be done on transgender uh, children and it's going to be that people who are extremely progressive or liberal leaning are going to be the ones who have the most uh, transgender children and it's because it's going to be they're going to be victims of exposure that parents feel the need to expose their kids to this ideology and then when kids soak it up and go, well, yes, that's exactly how I am or that's exactly how I feel, they're going to go down that rabbit hole of transitioning and going to the psychologist and all and, and the gender experts and all this stuff. So that's unfortunately what I think is going to happen. And I just finished up before we started doing this show watching What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, his, his documentary. And as much as it was funny haha in the beginning, there are some really just harrowing stories. One in particular from somebody who was just a very masculine woman who decided to transition to male. And all the medical problems that ensued after seven surgeries, continuous bacterial infections from the surgeries received, uh, the the surgeries not being told to people that they are experimental and can come with a multitude of side effects that you could never anticipate with any average, normal, uh, long-standing procedure that you would typically go through. And the shortened life expectancy of people going through this. And this was an individual who has kids and just sitting there crying about not being well-informed enough to make this decision as an adult. And we are now advocating that children are informed enough about their bodies and about their futures. Uh, people as young as four years old can tell you what their gender is and start going down the route of, of seeing medical gender professionals and puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapy and sex reassignment surgery. It's unbelievable what we are willing to do experimentally on children 
for the sake of of virtue, of blind affirmation, and for the belief that we need to represent every single marginalized community in this blind affirmation way instead of truly looking in deeply at how social contagion can play a role in this, how actual gender dysphoria should be treated. And I feel bad that children are going to go through this. And maybe they'll get to an age where they're informed enough to look back and go, oh, that was a bad decision, or maybe they won't. But either way, they'll still be in the same the same position. Okay, that helps. But as they get older, as their get, circle gets wider, circle gets wider, and my know. sphere of influence gets uh, yep. less effective as yes. they get older. You yeah. know. Hi, I'm Cindy. I am a stay-at-home mom, and I am a liberal parent. One of my children came out as trans two years ago. Mine and my husband's response was. That's great. Would you like to go by these pronouns? And would you like to pick out a name? Let's uh, make sure that we talk to a gender specialist so we know what options there are. And we'll just take this one step at a time. We'll move. Dude, that's wild to me. That is wild. And I still don't know how old this kid is, but she's referring to them as kids. So I'm imagining a minor of, of some age, some, some, some age on the span of being a minor coming to you and going, mom, I think I'm a girl. And you just immediately without anything else going, well, well, what do you want your, that's great. What do you want your pronouns to be? And what do you want your new name to be? And let's go and take you to the doctor. That's it. That's where you go from there. That's, that's B after A. I just can't believe it. And you have to wonder how many stepping stones have been laid that that is just the propagandized reaction version of what we're supposed to do in this case. And if you don't do that as a parent now, you run the risk of your child being taken away from you. That's the society that we're in right now. That is the reality. This is the good thing to do. This is the, the, the SOP for, for having a trans kid. Not even a trans kid. Having a kid that expresses gender confusion after being taught about it, essentially. Unbelievable to Move me. Move forward with the best information possible. Can the disagree step forward? I can provide a unique perspective on this because I'm actually bisexual. Um, so I think uh, not being an ally, as long as you're not harming people, you're not harassing people, you're not posting on social media that these people suck, then I don't think you're a bad person for that. Exactly. Um, as a Christian, I don't think that being LGBTQ aligned with God's um, view of the family doesn't mean that I will disrespect them in any way. I just think that it's a sin. As far as your faith is concerned, what would happen if your child came out to you that they were gay, bisexual, trans? I think that if the sin is not practiced upon, um, it's not a problem. It can be dealt with, especially with transitioning. It usually comes from mental problems like depression, anxiety, all those things. So you think they can um, be kind of taught to not be gay? Uh, no, I think Pray the gay away. You support conversion there? Putting a lot of words in her mouth right there. Uh, she did say something that is very much correct and that it, when she mentioned the gender dysphoria that people are experiencing and a distinct link between that and depression and anxiety, she's completely right. And we went over stats on that, not only just being trans and uh, gender non-conforming, but being a member of the LGBTQ community is has a very strong link to depression and anxiety to the tune of about 72 percent of young people who identify with this marginalized group also experience uh, a, a chronic 
form of deep sadness and uncomfortability with themselves. Therapy? No, I don't think that we can convert anyone into doing anything. I would not ostracize my child, but I would not support it. Just like I don't support any sin. So I, I, I think that if you want to be transgender, you could be transgender. We live in a, again, I said a free nation. But if you're asking for my opinion, I believe that men and women are completely different. We have different chromosomes, different bone structure. If you're, if you're a transgender woman, I still view you as a man. You could, you could you know, express yourself as a woman, that's fine. But I don't believe that society should automatically you know, say that, okay, you're a woman. Let's say, for instance, there's an 18-year-old biological man but says that they are a woman now. They still have male genitalia. They could walk into a woman's locker room and show off their male genitalia. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's okay. That's, that's not happening. It is happening. <sighs> Cindy loves the it's not happening, nobody's doing it, because she knows. It, and it's uh, honestly a very good trick when you're debating with somebody. I want to say trick, but it's a, it's a revealing characteristic when you're debating somebody on a certain issue when they say things like that. It's not happening when you know it is. Uh, and uh, it, it shows you where they actually lie morally because they hear it and they know it's wrong. And instead of going, oh, well, yeah, I agree with you. I think that is wrong, too. And I would not like to see this happen, even though I accept uh, this per this specific community. That would be the reasonable answer. But instead, they have to deny, 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 deny that it is even happening uh, as a means to, uh, you know, bolster their argument and, 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 and galvanize their argument. And it is happening. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know this, in Loudoun County, we had a young man who identifies as a female go into a girl's bathroom and assault a young girl at the school twice. And uh, this was recognized by the sheriff's department. It was recognized by the school board. You can look up the story. It's been reported on by multiple outlets. A girl assaulted multiple times by somebody who identified as trans. And we can speculate as to whether or not this person is actually experiencing gender dysphoria or if they are a man just taking advantage of a system. But the boy was wearing skirts and, and dresses and girl clothes and all that stuff. So where where's the line drawn there when we make this socially acceptable? You have transgender women who are now being subjected, uh, well, transgender women, I'll put that in air quotes again, uh, who has gone into a place called We Spa here in Los Angeles. So a biological man went into We Spa and said, can I go into the women's section? And We Spa said, yeah, go into the women's section. And what did he do? He exposed himself to all the little girls and all the women who were at the spa that day. And now there's lawsuits being filed about this. There was protests in LA over this. There was a very viral video of a, man of a woman confronting the people working at We Spa and saying this is unacceptable. So to say that it's not happening is absolutely false. It is happening. You now have here in the state of California and other states similarly, this idea that transgender women, which are biological males sitting in prison, can now submit a form saying, I'm actually a woman. Can you transfer me over to the female facility? That's happening here. And as soon as that law came through and they said, this is going to be okay, they got hundreds of biological men applying to move over to female facilities. Hundreds. So if we're saying that transgender people represent a small portion of society, okay, let's, let's say that a, a small portion of those hundreds are actually transgender women. The rest of it are men taking advantage of this system. But do you want to open the door for anybody to take advantage of other women? Do you want to open the door for women to be sexually assaulted, for young girls to be sexually assaulted, for men to expose themselves to young women and girls in our daily life now when you're going to the spa or going to the bathroom? Is that worth 
your ideology? Is that worth your acceptance of blind affirmation? These are the things you have to ask yourself. And if you are a trans ally or a transgender person yourself and you go, yeah, that's totally worth it. I don't care if a few women get assaulted because I want to use the bathroom that I want to use or I want to go to the locker room that I want to use. I would just urge yourself to to look in at, at what you're saying and the actual implications of that and think about how harmful that can be and then come back and have the discussion about it. But to say that it is not happening is false. And it doesn't matter if it's actual people experiencing gender dysphoria or if it's men taking advantage of the system. This is the legislation you're advocating for, and this is the outcome of that legislation. Is it really happening? That is literally transphobia. It's rare, though, but... not even a trans. It could just be a creepy guy, like... Pretending yes. to be yes. creepy guys are I'm in much more danger in a women's restroom from yeah. a cis gender straight creepy guy I know, but than that, I am a that trans gives person. Them the excuse, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. So, so do you support uh, gender neutral bathrooms like women yes. and men can go into the same bathroom? Do you think that could increase the chances of of rape or assault? They, they already exist. It's interesting it's, that men are only concerned about this rape in the bathroom when we're t- having a conversation about trans folk. But, but gender-neutral bathrooms just stem from this idea, though. No, this idea that rape is going to suddenly go on the rise because of gender-neutral bathrooms stems from transphobia. <laughs> I, I just don't know what to say about that. I don't know what to say about that other than look at all the instances where it's happened and look at what it means if you accept this on, on not just the scale of bathrooms, but on a greater scale. We saw the story about, uh, you know, gender nonconforming camp counselors staying in the same cabin as young girls. Is that not a problem for you? If you're okay with it happening in bathrooms, why would you not be okay if it's at camp? Why would you not be okay if it's at a, a boarding school? Why would you not be okay if it's at prison? It's not so much that bathrooms are the hot and pressing issue. It's that when bathrooms move to the full scale of all of society accepting this in every single way that you can, you put women at risk. And it's not just to say that it's transgender people doing this. It is men taking advantage of this. And of course, it would be great if we just educated all men and they don't want to assault anybody and they don't want to go and attack women. Okay, long term goal, maybe. But in the short term, maybe we don't make it easy for them to do that. Just just a thought. I'm Eden. I'm 16 years old, and I'm on the conservative teen side. Um, I think that transitioning does more harm than good, and um, I think that we are born in the body that we're given, and we should stay that way. God has created us in his image, and I don't think we should change the way we are. Owning a gun is a basic human right. Okay, it's your guys' turn to answer that in the chat. We'll put it down as a poll. Owning a gun is a basic human right. Again, these are such just massively strong statements, and you have to decide whether or not you agree or disagree with them. There are plenty of human beings on this earth right now that I would absolutely look at and say, you do not need to own a gun. The guy who just shot up that school in Uvalde, I would look at him and go, absolutely not. You do not deserve to own a gun and you should not have the right to own a gun. So I sort of stand in the middle on this issue as it pertains to calling it a basic human right. It just insinuates that all humans should have the right to own them. I think there is a need for very clear regulation on who is able to own firearms and clearly 
there is something happening right now culturally that is leading to the problems that we're having that we also need to address. So I'm not sure that I would walk forward simply for that bit of skepticism alone. I don't like the term basic human right as it pertains to this specific thing. Um, But other than that, of course, you have the right to bear arms so long as you are capable and there are no red flags that should stop you from owning a firearm. And from what I've seen, most everybody who shows up to this actually agrees with the right to gun ownership here in this country. Um, I hate, I absolutely hate hearing about school shootings on the news and just shootings in general. Um, It's horrible. You know, this isn't like, you know, Spider-Man's not going to save people. Mm -hmm. People have the right to protect themselves. A lot of mass shooters target gun-free zones because they know there's not going to be a person who's going to uh, fight against them or shoot them back. There's a lot of mass shootings at schools, and that's because schools have gun-free zones. I view owning a gun as a right to defend myself. You look at countries that have banned guns in the past, the USSR, Nazi Germany, you look at China under Mao Zedong, Mm -hmm. they strip their citizens of arms so they could oppress them. And I think the reason why our founding fathers enshrine the Second Amendment is because they wanted us to protect ourselves against tyrannical government and to protect ourselves against danger around us too. I think that as a, from a woman's perspective, if as a woman you get into a dangerous situation, for example with a man, having a gun and knowing how to use a gun is the only way that will protect me. Having my tiny little pepper spray won't help me forever. I think definitely if you uh, take away guns, the bad guys will always get their guns one way or another. I, like, I I live in Los Angeles, and L.A. has strict gun control laws. This is my perspective of it. I think L.A. has become a more dangerous city, and I feel very unsafe walking down the street just not armed. Crime is on the rise in America, and I think one of the ways to stop crime is by owning a gun. They're all making very, very reasonable points here, and I do love the point that he just made about living in Los Angeles. California has some of the most restrictive gun laws that you can have in this nation, yet experiences shootings that are just unbelievable, and they continue to increase. Why is that? (laughs) It's because bad people still find a way to get guns. I just did a ride-along this past Saturday, which maybe I'll make a a whole separate video on to tell you guys about, but I I go on ride-alongs with the the Southeast LAPD in Watts, and I do this every every now and then and have been working with them quite closely. And just the ride-along that I went on this past Saturday, there was several guns confiscated. Any of them registered? (laughs) No. Are they illegal arms? Yes, because even though these people have felonies on their records or they live with somebody who has a felony or there is some sort of red flag on their record that should stop them from being able to get a firearm, guess what? Bad guys get guns, gangs get guns, and then they go and shoot people. Uh, And that's what's happening here in California, specifically in Los Angeles. It is horrible, the amount of shootings that we go through and the amount of innocent people who lose their lives in the wake of those shootings. Uh, So that's something to think about. And If you are going to enforce gun control legislation, I would hope that it actually works. We always talk about intent versus result. We have to look at the result. And if you're looking at California as a case study for restrictive gun laws, uh, the result is not there. It's really not helping whatsoever. And so much so that the police departments are really underreporting the amount of people who are dying of, of gun violence. And it doesn't seem as though anybody seems to care. I definitely think that there should be this control in place to who buys guns. You couldn't just be able to go to a store and buy a gun. There should be regulations into who buys guns and 
who um, shoots a gun. So reasonable. Listen to them. I actually debated whether or not I was going to sit down because I do believe people have the right to bear arms. I do. My issue is what kind of arms they're bearing. I believe people should get to go hunt. But do you need a semi-automatic rifle to do that? I would have immediately asked her, what is a semi-automatic rifle? Like, what's the difference between a semi-automatic rifle and one that's not semi-automatic? And I will go out on a limb and say she probably might not be able to answer what the difference is uh, in those rifles, but it's fine. I, I, I'm, I'll tell you, personally, I'm afraid of guns personally myself, but I, um, I just think there need to be stricter regulations with it. But um, the majority of people who die by gunshot are women in a domestic violence situation. So. What? I'm so, I'm amazed by Cindy here. I, of course, I've seen this video before because I go through these to make sure they're safe and sound for your ears before we listen to them. She just said the majority of people, let me go back and listen to exactly what she just said so we have the quote. The majority of people who die by gunshot are women in a domestic violence situation. So she should have been stopped right there and rebutted against that because that is not true whatsoever. I don't know where she heard that and it's so... It blows my mind that you can just so confidently lie about something. Men are overwhelmingly the the majority when it comes to gun violence. In fact, if you go and look into this, uh, and I'll try to zoom this in for you guys so that you can take a look. In every single state in this union, if you look at gun violence towards males versus females, males overwhelmingly are the victims of firearms. Now, does that change the argument? No, it doesn't. But if you're going to try to make this feminist twist on why guns need more more control and more restrictive laws, that is a false, 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 false statement to make. Men are overwhelmingly the victims of uh, firearms rather than women. Mass shootings definitely don't want automatic rifles against that. Nobody needs them. But the most dangerous automatic rifles are already highly, highly. I don't even I don't even know where you would go and get an automatic rifle. Do you know, Taylor? No, 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 no. OK, and, uh, this is the thing, too. I wish like if you ha were going to come into a debate on something like this, you, you just have to know the information. Like, I don't know. I don't think that Don knows what a semi-automatic rifle is. I don't think that Cindy knows what's the difference between a semi-automatic and an automatic rifle either. And I don't think she knows that there's highly restrictive purchase on automatic rifles gun is the one in your home. I do want to ask you a question. Do you think that women should have the right to bear arms to protect themselves yes. against? Yeah, I never, I, I, I'm not against the right to own guns. The, the prompt was, do you think owning a gun is a human right? But do you think and I don't agree with that. In my perspective, okay, I grew up in, in a gun riddled neighborhood. I myself am a gun owner now because of the fact that I had to create some type of means of self-defense. So why did you disagree? I disagree because I would prefer not to be. I think it's not a human right as much as almost a necessity for a lot of people. And, and not everyone. There's a lot of neighborhoods that are very safe, but even in a safe neighborhood, you can be robbed, you can be killed. I've been stuck up several times with a gun to my face, you know, and all I could think of is, man, if, if I die, it's gonna be because I didn't have a weapon to help protect me. Do you think that we should take away all guns from the entire world? Yes, if there was like a magnet, like Magneto from X-Men, he just suck up all the guns, I think that would be such a better place. Now, if you think about what he just said, it's something that is actually very profound. When we go into these arguments about gun ownership and the Second Amendment, what is the driving force on both sides of the argument? On the side that wants to restrict and take away guns and, or, or at least restrict really restrictive gun control laws, they're scared. 
of of guns. They're scared of mass shootings. They're scared of being shot. They're scared of having other people that they don't feel like are capable of having a firearms. They don't want them to have them. There's fear. For the people who support the Second Amendment and want their right to a firearm or have lots of firearms, a lot of the driving force behind that decision for them is also fear. The fear of if I meet somebody on the street who wants to kill me or attack me or come into my home, I should have the right to defend myself. The fear of a tyrannical government and a lot of distrust and and not feeling sound with the way uh, the structure of our current hierarchy. There's a lot of fear surrounding that. That's why I want to own a gun. And when he mentioned that a lot of gun ownership happens out of what we feel to be necessity, that's an important thing to recognize. So how can we take away or alleviate, if you're on the liberal side, that feeling for the necessity of owning a firearm? And if tomorrow you could clap your fingers or snap your fingers and and nobody in the world owned a firearm, maybe that would be a better future. Maybe that would do for us, uh, do for everybody on the spectrum, alleviate the fear that everybody feels surrounding the topic. And by everybody, I mean everybody. If you could picture a world where guns were never created, maybe we wouldn't be living in the the fear on both sides that we are feeling regarding this issue. It's not to say that everybody is driven by fear when it comes to making a decision on being pro-Second Amendment or anti-Second Amendment, but a lot of us are, overwhelmingly, a lot of us are. My political opinions have hurt my relationships with friends and family. Okay, I'm sure you guys are going to walk forward on that one. I will walk forward on that. Taylor, would you walk forward on? I actually would, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody, regardless, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not some of the liberals, but I think I think everybody has a, probably had a distinct moment where their political leanings have affected their friendship in one way or another. <laughs> All right. During 2020, when you know America got really like politically intense, and my teacher, she uh, was very politically active, and she wanted us to you know speak our voices, and they found out I was conservative, and they said, okay, you're completely going against what we believe. Like the whole school is very liberal, and they, I guess, they just kind of pushed me away. Did you feel like you would get bullied? No, after? I'll just get looks. Some people come up and say you're a racist or you're xenophobic. You know, they would tell me, oh, do you support Trump? But I just brushed it off. I told them, hey, I respect that you think like this. Please respect me. I think that that is, um, whether or not we have the same ideas, I think that that is still an admirable quality. Yeah. Despite getting looks or feeling like maybe you don't belong, that you're still, um, you have your convictions. So I I can respect that you're convicted. Gosh, I just hate the energy of like the white savior liberal. I really do hate the energy. It's very condescending. It's almost like don't say anything if you don't actually, if you don't actually mean that. Uh, I love that you're, you know, strong in your convictions. Yeah. Uh, I think being liberal, we think of the right as being stuck in the sand. It's interesting to hear that liberals were not having his right opinion. I think that everyone should have their opinion. Well, I think we're talking about issues that aren't a matter of opinion, but Mm. a matter of morality, the value of human lives. I've had to personally block a few people on Facebook, family members, mostly men that are married to the women in my family. Like, hey. Oh my gosh, this is the plot twist of a century. Oh my gosh. I'm at the edge of my seat hearing that Cindy tried to block some of her family members and friends yeah. uh, for having differing opinions. That it is a matter of opinion. I don't know how else to say it, but it is a matter of opinion. And 
when she says that it's really about human value and human life, what that speaks to and the underlying, the underbelly of that statement is that you think that people who disagree with you don't value human life as much right. as you do. And how, what, what a horrible thing to think of somebody who just thinks differently than you do. What a horrible thing to look at somebody on the other side of the aisle and go, you just don't value human life or morality like I do. And you know that it's false. I know that it's false to look at people who are liberal or, or extremely progressive and say, you just don't value human life. No, we've simply just had different experiences. We view the world differently. And this is our way of being compassionate. This is the future that we see and we think is best. That's it. It's not, it shouldn't be some hate-filled, you don't value life as much as I do. It's just different ways of, of viewing the world, viewing our problems, and viewing the solutions. Yeah, there's that old adage that the, the right thinks the left is wrong, the left thinks the right is evil. Right. And what that does is it, if you think someone else is evil, then, it, and it happens the other way around too. I mean, we know there's there's plenty of examples of people on the right mm. who think the left is evil and you should never talk to them or never try to establish. But what that does is it undercuts the ability to have civil discourse. It undercuts the ability to uh, negotiate your differences in civil society and create laws and policies that are a negotiation that make it possible to coexist. And mm -hmm. if, but if you're fundamentally evil and there's no way I could ever uh, share a world with you, then that undercuts the ability to to uh, live in the same place um, yep. in peaceably. You've yeah. finished as a power struggle. You've immediately lost if that's the way yeah. you view your opponent in in these issues. It, it's and it's funny because we're really all working toward the same goal. Like we want people to prosper. We want people to be healthy. We want beautiful families. We want our country to be doing well and have the ability to just help other people and, and, and build strong communities. But if we can't agree that that is our shared goal, then we have a major problem. Hey, this conversation is really getting personal and hurtful. And if you carry on this way, I'm gonna have to block you. Were they harassing you? Uh, I I feel very harassed. Yeah, I'm belittled. I feel harassed. It was hate speech because I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hate crime. It's not a hate crime, Michael. Well, I hated it. <laughs> my anger is myself. I understand people have different beliefs, and I respect that. And I think it's good for everyone to share their beliefs. Uh, that's the way we progress. But I think when people become ignorant or offensive consistently without any type of evidence or any type of backup behind that, that's the point where I say, you know what? I probably shouldn't be friends with you because you may smile in my face, but uh, behind my back, you, you have a different sentiment. Mm. I haven't lost any relationships because me and my friends don't really dive into politics. We kind of just play video games and, and talk about comics together. Based. I think if you lose a relationship over <laughs> politics, that's kind of sad. Unfortunately, it's a uh, part of it's growing sad. up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a part of growing up, though. You guys have made it a part of growing up. It's not a part of growing up to lose your relationships because of politics. It's really not. This is something that is relatively new for our society to just be like, F you, you, you voted for this guy and I voted for the other one. It's not a part of growing up. And you should not teach children that that's a part of growing up. You should teach children the exact opposite, that you can have the most diverse group of best friends and you guys can, you know be friends for the rest of your lives and just accept that you have differing opinions. What I found, which the interesting thing in my life, obviously this is anecdotal and, it's, and it doesn't speak to evidence, but I think you guys can see this with their own eyes. I grew up with a group of friends and it was four girls for the most part and then one other girl, she's like my best, best friend, but we'll keep her from the side for now. But two of them were liberal and two of them were conservative. And at the time I was a radical leftist. Of course, this was through, was, was through high school. And then after I graduated high school and started working, then I became uh, conservative and I started being open about that and sharing it on social media and, t and making my videos and all this stuff. The two liberal friends, gone. 
immediately, within a matter of weeks. The two conservative friends, right there the whole time, through radical leftist me, arguing with them every day about the things that they believed, about religion, about this, about that, all the way through that, and all the the trash that I spoke to them about their politics, through conservatism, stayed there the whole time. So that's those are the friends that you want. Those are the people that you want in your life. And that's certainly the sentiment that you want to pass down to your kids when you're raising them, that you just stick around for your friends because politics doesn't really matter that much. It really doesn't. For sure. <laughs> Hopefully you won't lose any friends, but usually as you get older, you start to see those divides a little clearer. I mean, you sometimes. guys are older than us. Was it like this going back now 20 years ago? Politics has changed so much, and I think you touched on it that now it's being associated, policy is being associated with ethics. I haven't lost any friendships or relationships because I won't allow that to happen. Good I believe you. that the majority of us, probably about 80%, are in the middle with varying degrees. And there are those people who are very, very conservative, very, very ultra-liberal, who are the outliers. But I think it's subtle. Where you have somebody that you meet with on a regular basis, you talk with them, you have a good time. If topics get brought up, and, and it's, a, it's a, oh, okay you're one of those. They don't tell you that to your face, but it's kind of subtle. Do a uh, story time real quick, and we're gonna skip on to the next question and get to more controversial topics. But I went out with my roommate and my boyfriend to a bar, and we were just hanging out playing pool, and this girl walks up to me and she's like, hi, I just love your style. I think you're so pretty, blah, blah, blah. And we just start talking. And she's like, I'd love to get your Instagram. I'd love to talk to you, whatever. So I walk over to her group of friends and her boyfriend or whatever, just to introduce myself and say hi. And she's like, I want your Instagram. I would like love to look you up on Instagram. And I was like, okay. And I always, <laughs> I always do this thing in LA. I was like, beautiful girl. Her energy was just like so positive. I was like, this girl's gonna be a friend. It's gonna be great, whatever. So she's like, I'll get your Instagram instead of your number. I was like, uh, I'll give you the Instagram. I was just like, I want to warn you for a living. I do sort of political and social commentary. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I was like, and I, I'm a conservative. And she was like, she just nodded. And she's like, oh yeah, well, so my parents are conservative. She's like, I'm not. But the friends that she was with, it was like this one white gay guy, her boyfriend and this other person, they collectively, her boyfriend goes, ew. When I said I was a conservative and they collectively just looked me up and down like this and it was just the whole vibe was ruined because I said I'm a conservative and I think she still went and like she still followed me and stuff so she was nice enough to just be like that doesn't matter it's just a difference but it's so crazy how in today's time specifically here in Los Angeles if you even utter your political affiliation and it has something other than what they believe People are immediately not okay with you. They don't want to associate you with you. They don't want to be friends with you anymore. And it's just so ridiculous to the point where I have to anticipate it now. If somebody asks for my social media, I got to be like, <laughs> I need a burner account or something. I know. I need like a fake social media that's like BLM, <laughs> Black Square, Pride Month, guys. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that was my most recent experience at the bar. So that was fun. Uh, here's the next prompt. The feminist movement is overrated. You already know I'm walking forward on this. We don't need to even pause. Oh. <laughs> the reason I sat down is because feminism as we know it in social media and the marches is generally run by white women. 
and there we, we go. <laughs> you knew it was coming, Sanger. Sister Cindy yeah, and oh, um, no. Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony, you know, total racist. The women that <laughs> not wrong about headed that. up the uh, suffragette movement, they were not inclusive. Of course, yes. And they wanted rights for white women, <laughs> and that thread has followed us to be very exclusionary oh, to uh, black women, disabled women, women of color, indigenous women. I don't think that feminism in America is based off racism. The reason why there's more white feminists is because there's a higher white population in America. So generally there's gonna be more white feminists because of that. Mm. <laughs> it's quiet, ain't no back mm. talk. <laughs> she didn't say a, one word to that. I think that definitely in the beginning of feminism, feminists wanted uh, votes for women, that women would be allowed to work, would be allowed to go to universities and such. I definitely agree with that, but I think that feminism has gone too far into saying my body, my choice, and um, saying that women are not all equal, saying that women are being suppressed by white men and such things. She's right. Good point, girly. Uh, no, uh, we got a long way to go. There's just not enough done. In America or just in the world in general? Well, America, for sure. The world in general is a heck of a lot worse than America. Yeah. At least he acknowledged that. I would have made a more pointed question. I mean, what, what else do we need to make progress on? What else are, do we have on the list of uh, feminist movement work that we have not achieved yet? What right do you have as a man that I do not have as a woman that we need to work on? Because I'm not seeing that exactly. I agree with you. <laughs> I think that women should be able to do everything that men can, but we also have to protect ourselves. So if you want to be a stay-at-home mom and do one of the hardest jobs on the planet, you absolutely should be able to Just an eye roll to that one, do I'm that. sorry. But you should also discuss with your partner and put in things into place so that you're protected if you choose to do that. Some women aren't doing that, like life insurance and things like that. I think part of feminism is being able to take care of yourself. That has nothing to do with feminism. That's just being smart. That's just being smart. If you're putting yourself in the position of being a stay-at-home mom, hopefully you've chosen the right partner to do that with, who is a man who is constantly going to support you throughout life or, and all that fun stuff. But also make your, put yourself in the position to where if something goes awry or if something happens in your life that you, didn't, you could not account for, that you can provide for you and your children. And hopefully you've picked the husband that helps you in that and is that has already put together a safety net for if anything happens in your relationship. But that has nothing to do with feminism. That's just common sense. Capitalism is failing our society. Hmm. I am not walking forward on this one simply for the reason that I don't believe we are adhering to uh, the good view of what capitalism can be. I think we are in this crony capitalist society that is devoid of regulation, when, specifically when it comes to things like monopolies, oligopolies, massive corporations, and the, the power that they can have. And this relationship that we have between, you know, lobbyist corporations and the government that is just an ever cycling uh, movement that is helping them and not helping us. Uh, and I think the free market requires regulation, but that does not make it anti-capitalist to regulate these things. So I'm, I'm curious to where they fall on this. Taylor, are you? Capitalism uh, no. is failing our society. You're not walking it's forward. It's strange to me to posit capitalism as this sort of sentient thing mm -hmm. that's out there like oh yeah this is this this conscious thing is failing us somehow it's yeah. like no it's a description of an economic socioeconomic system right that w compared to what is really the real question is like uh capitalism is would we be better off not having capitalism is that that's a more clear question to me but right. no i'm not walking forward okay fair enough This uh, system 
that just values production, consumerism, production, consumerism, until you die, doesn't work for anybody but a very, very, very small percentage of billionaires, and it's all, it's all baloney. The you're all sitting here today in this capitalist society. You're fully clothed, you're fully fed. I'm, I'm assuming all of you are sheltered. Uh, it benefits nobody but billionaires. Nobody but billionaires. I assume some of them have businesses that they run or are at least working for. It doesn't benefit any anybody but billionaires. It's not just production and consumerism. It's also innovation and comfort and building a life that is uh, s sustainable and provides you with the utmost comfort. And even when we are already living beyond the comfort that we probably could have ever imagined you could live in in a country, we are still fighting for more and more and more and more. And we could even look at that as being a negative thing with how far we've gone through capitalism to find things like comfort and innovation. But to say that it's simply production and consumerism is false, come on now. And while you en enjoy the, the comforts of where you're sitting right now, uh, capitalism benefits so many, so many people. The system is rigged to keep workers working and and the rich just keep getting richer. Yeah, um, talking. I think there could buzzwords, be some buzzwords, buzzwords. good in capitalism, which is like the innovation part mm -hmm. of it. But in general, capitalism definitely sucks uh, from the poor. There's a lot of industries that definitely shouldn't have any capitalism involved at all. The medical field, it's unjust that certain people get better care than other people just because they're more financially well off. Who are they to determine the value of life? The healthcare system, creates such profit, and that profit is created off the misery of others, of the illness of others, uh, including the um, prison system, where you have jails that are privately owned, because at oh, that yeah. point, what you have is a hotel, and you want to fill up the hotel. Why would there be a business that profits off of crime? That mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. If you put profit ahead of people, people are going to suffer, obviously. Ben is just increasingly becoming the most reasonable person among all of them. He's actually looking at these issues from, I think, standpoints that people on the conservative end of things and on the liberal end of things can look at and go, yeah, that's a problem. It's a problem that I took my wife to the hospital to give birth on a plan that we already have set out and we get a bill for $100,000. That's a massive problem. And it's because a lot of these industries are devoid of regulation. It's insane to me. Like when I worked in medicine before, you had patients coming in for a simple, a simple diagnosis of asthma or of allergies. And we've prescribed them medication. And they go to the pharmacy and the pharmacy says, well, under your insurance, this medication is $3,000. Look at what we had with people who were diabetic patients going in to get insulin uh, in the past like two, three years now, uh, going into the pharmacy and being told, well, your insulin shots that you need to live. <laughs> to lead your life are thousands upon thousands of dollars. Clearly, there is a problem. Clearly, that is not okay. And I don't think that there's anybody who could look at that and look at the scope of that problem and say that it's justifiable that people pay $60,000 to $100,000 to give birth to their baby or $1,000 to get their insulin shots. That's ridiculous. And it's because we do not have proper regulation of the people who are running these systems and of make making these things work. Obviously. So you said um, like only the billionaires succeed in capitalism, and I gotta disagree with that because I, like I'm the CEO of my own company. A couple months ago, I started a jewelry company, and it's I'm not a billionaire, but it's been relatively successful enough to like I can like make rent and and go through college a bit. So I think there's people like me who own a small business who capitalism really benefits. If mm. if capitalism isn't the solution, then what is the solution? 
Do you want to hear it? <laughs> Socialism. Socialism. There she goes. There it is. I mean, you talk about how capitalism hurts the middle class, but in reality, if democratic socialism was tried, the middle class are going to be paying way more taxes, not just the rich. You see, the rich don't pay taxes because they don't work. They make money off assets. The middle class, they work. And because they're working, they're going to pay more taxes under a proposal like Bernie Sanders face on or, the left. I don't know, AOC or Ilhan Omar. I, I personally am okay with paying higher taxes. I would love people who make billions of dollars to pay their fair share of taxes. But increase. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, if you're making there, and there are people who are billionaires who find, you know, a gazillion tax loopholes to where they don't have to pay that. And certainly that would not be okay. Uh, but Elon Musk is not one of those people. Uh, and he's paid more taxes than any human in history to the United States government. So, uh, of course, everybody should pay what what is their fair share in taxes. But socialism going in and taxing the, the middle class and people who are impoverished more, probably not your answer. <laughs> it's probably not your answer to give your resources and your means of production to your government either. Uh, when they're the ones responsible for creating a lot of these problems as well. You want to put all of that in their hands and then also uh, take away what is uh, a possibility of you owning private property in the future. I'm just saying these things don't seem to be answers. Increase taxes for a better situation for people overall. That is exactly what I stand for. I'm not sure that uh, socialism is the answer. Yugoslavia before World War II did okay, but they didn't do all that great, and they were nice. taken over quite quickly. What I'm what thinking Venezuela? is capitalism, yeah, although is not the best solution, is one of the best solutions for a democratic society. Think about socialism, you think about wealth distribution, and then money becomes a very big uh, role too, because the ones that have less money become envious of those that have more money. And then money is like, it becomes a god because you don't want anyone else to have that money but yourself. And if you, for example, look at the Scandinavian countries, they have a capitalistic market, but they have a socialist wealth distribution. And that's why it works over there. And I, I personally come from Europe, so I have seen that. So you think that works? I, I personally don't think that works. I think it takes a lot of money from the rich and from the middle class. I, can I just say for a moment, I'm so amazed by these teenagers who are... There's, there's no distinction. Like, you could watch this and listen to this in, like, podcast format, and you would not be able to tell that you were listening to teens versus grown adults. That's insane to me. And insane in the sense that I'm not happy about it. I'm happy that they're smart. I'm happy that they're well-versed in these issues. But... We used to live in a time where you did not need to know all this all this as a teen. Like this should not be something that you have to concern yourself in the way that you are reading about feminism and abortion and capitalism versus socialism and worrying about your family relationships and relationships with friends because of your politics. There used to be a time where kids could just be kids and teenagers could just be teenagers. They should not have to worry about this. And what does it say about us that people this young are concerning themselves with the inner workings of American politics? I, I don't like it. My name is Nathan. I'm 18 years old. I would like to ask the other side if they believe America is the greatest country in the world. If they disagree with that, I want to know what country they believe is better than America. Um, I, I do believe it's a blessing and it's a privilege to live in a country that gives you the liberty and freedom and to express who you want to be. The American dream is dead. Mm, pausing that one. Okay, the American dream is dead. We'll put the prompt in the chat for you guys. Uh, I'm not walking forward on this. If the if the statement had been the American dream is dying, 
I might have walked forth because I think it is in a sense. Now, I think we'll distinguish what that means in all the different ways that you could view the American dream. Specifically, you know, people are immigrating here like crazy and trying to get into this country. So clearly the American dream is not dead. Clearly people are living in situations where they're seeking out America. They're seeking out our our economy. They're seeking out citizenship here because they know that there's a dream alive here and there's things that they can achieve that they can't achieve in their countries. But if we're going to talk about maybe young people people living in America right now and their prospect of buying a house or being able to afford taking care of multiple children, then we're, we're seeing that sort of recede a little bit. The, the idea that that is going to be affordable is super questionable. I remember just like talking to my grandparents. I'm sure you guys have had similar experiences of this and they go, well, we, we saved up for three or four years and we bought our first house. And then you go and look now at what the prospects are of you buying a house with medium, with a median income in this country right now. And it's like saving for 15, 20 years to make the down payment on your house. It's crazy. And of course, our, our rate of income is not, uh, is not accommodating what is the reality when it comes to buying houses. We also have these unregulated corporations like BlackRock who are coming in and buying all the single family units so that you are a lifelong renter for the rest of your life. And... That needs to be taken care of in order to reinvigorate what is that typical American citizen dream, uh, I think. <laughs> she goes it. She takes the plunge. I got to say, I disagree with the phrase American dream and American dream uh, for, for who? You know, the Native Americans we slaughtered, uh, the enslaved people. I mean, this, this romantic idea that there's this dream is just basically marketing for capitalism. You know, it okay, so what is it marketing for in all the other countries that talk about this that have also... Uh, also been involved with enslavement and war and colonization. Every piece of land that exists right now was probably taken from somebody who, who existed there first or who lived there first or who claimed that land first. That seems to be the way that humans move, not only human species, animal species. They do the exact same thing too. They go and take other people's territory and they fight their own wars and battles and things like that. It's just a fact of life uh, that where you are, someone was there before. Now, is that inherently a transgression? No. Are things like slavery, of course, and slaughtering people and genocide transgressions? Yes. But are Americans the only one who, who have participated in that? No. I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a country that doesn't have a long list of transgressions tacked onto its history. Does th do those transgressions color the entire present of what that country is? No. So if you're saying the American dream is dead solely for that purpose then every dream of every country is dead because we've all been uh, involved in, in this sort of turmoil. It's very, it's very well-funded propaganda and, and has it inspired good acts and good people to do good things? Of, of course, of course, because ultimately, in a large sense, humanity is, is good. But this idea of the American dream, I think, is... Um, I think the fantasy of it is being torn apart a little bit. And I think that's actually exciting because it, it, it opens up room for something better, something more inclusive. To <laughs> 
<laughs> something more inclusive and something better. She's a full-on communist. She this, really... she, Cindy is a communist. <laughs> Honestly, she really is. And I'm sitting here watching this right now and just thinking about the, the idea of an American dream. The American dream is where I'm sitting right now, commenting on other people talking about the American dream. The American dream is Cindy, an American citizen, sitting in a room in Los Angeles, being filmed, talking about whether or not the American dream exists. That's your life. That is your reality. That is a dream. Look at what other people are experiencing in other countries. Do you think a Venezuelan citizen can gets to go gets to go to a film set and sit there and talk about whether or not the Venezuelan dream is dead? No. Or be a stay-at-home mom, by the way, like Cindy is. Yeah. Try like, doing that in a, um, a communist society. Exactly. Yeah, being a stay-at-home mom of three boys and one who's trans, and you're looking at different medical doctors to mutilate your kid and get them to change their gender. That is the American dream that we, we have. We have deviated so far from reality and into delusion that you can literally change your kid's gender on a whim. <laughs> but the American dream is dead. Again, try having this conversation in any other country, especially something like Venezuela, and see how long you get into it uh, while you're on the freaking Maduro diet over there. Grow. I think the phrase is kind of corny, but the idea that someone's like building themselves up in capitalism, I feel like that I kind of have done that a bit with my business. Um, so I don't think it's dead. I do think the American dream is dying though. You know, the American dream now is not the same as it was 30 years ago. Have a family, buy a home, have a great job. But now it's very difficult to buy a home. Income has not increased compared to the price of a house. You know, I do think it's dying though, but I don't think it's completely dead because there's a lot of immigrants who are still trying to come to America. America does have the highest immigrant population. 14% of our population are immigrants. We have a lot of people on our southern border and I think they all want to come to America. Yeah, I think the American dream still exists and I can speak firsthand because my family came from a third world country. Um, but so does the American nightmare. The people suffering, not just here, but also around the world due to policies, due to exploitation, due to colonization, due to a lot of issues that are directly at hand to America. So there's a lot of blood on the United States hand and a lot of people don't want to leave their home country, but the situations that have been created there are forcing people to leave. Like my mother would have loved to stay in Mexico, but unfortunately due to poverty, which had a lot to do with NAFTA and what happened in 1994, directly caused by the United States, yeah. issues that created this migration. Cindy. So is it a better opportunity <sighs> here? Yes, my people come here and we send our money back to our ancestors. Wouldn't we just like to stay where we're from? Yeah, that would be a much better option. As an immigrant myself, I definitely think that the American dream still exists. We long for the opportunities that people have here in America for the job opportunities that people have, the innovations that are available in this free market economy, this capitalist country. So, so the American dream is in the eye of the beholder. If you're an immigrant or if you live here, it's different. It's going to be different. I don't like the idea of the American dream, but I am a person who's still going to always believe in hope. If you work hard and you take advantage of opportunities, you can make a difference in your life. I mean, you're an example of it. I'm so amazed by you. I think it's awesome what you're doing um, at such a young age. I am very, very impressed with you three. My hope for you is that you stay open-minded and that you're always willing to be learners and not just listeners. Yeah. So. All right, great. Little condescending, I know. Little condescending sentence to throw at them at uh. the end of this. But that is the end of the Jubilee, conservative teens versus liberal parents. Like I said, like she said, I don't know if she meant it, but I'm very impressed by them. 
Uh, I imagine, obviously, they're teens. They're younger than I am. And you could have listened to this and thought they were all adults. Also, three of them going against four liberal parents is an amazing, astounding thing to do and to be so well-versed. And actually, throughout this, give way more facts than anybody on the adult side was able to share, especially this young guy in the middle. Uh, Super... Super great. I love seeing conversations like this. I hope Jubilee comes up with more Middle Ground videos like this so that we can react to them and go over them with you guys. Let me know. Who do you think was the most reasonable out of the liberal parents? Who was your favorite conservative teen? Was there something that you wish they had said or a point that you feel like they didn't get to that you wish you had heard? I was very impressed by Ben on the liberal parent side and super impressed with all of the conservative teens who came to have this discussion. Um, so real quick, Spencer said that Eden from the video was actually in our chat during the video. So that's oh, really cool. She? Okay. Yeah. Hey, girl. <laughs> Thanks for watching. I appreciate it. And you did a great job. It's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So super cool. I hope you guys are encouraged by this to go out and have these very same discussions with people who are in your circle. Hopefully they're still your friends. Hopefully they're still your family and you keep them close. And we'll continue to have discussions on our page as well. Again, comment down below. Who's your favorite? Is there a point that we missed? Uh, is there another video like this that you want us to react to? We're constantly looking for YouTube videos and, and hot trending things that we can bring up and, and talk about from our perspective. So uh, let us know down below. And that is our episode for today. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. That is 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. And go to Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts to listen to us if you'd rather listen than watch don't know why you'd want to do that because we are so beautiful <laughs> but you can go to all the podcast apps leave us a five-star review to let us know that you love the show or a one-star review if you hate it that is okay too we maybe you don't have reviews. to leave the one-star review okay. <laughs> we have enough leftists maybe. who are coming to bomb our reviews so yeah, yeah. we need we need all the five stars we can get maybe we don't need it <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching i will see you tomorrow and i hope you have a great evening bye guys